This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese in here in the studio having some technical issues with Jeff. So I'm here. I haven't gone away. Don't worry. Three games on the go tonight. Chicago, Pittsburgh, Bedard Crosby, Seattle, Vegas, and of course, kicking things off, kicking the NHL season off, it's the Nashville Predators visiting the Tampa Bay Lightning at Amelie Arena. And to tee up that game and talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and a, kind of a roller coaster of an offseason, their TV analyst, Brian Engblom. Brian, how are you today? I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Um, sure. So, you know, coming into this year, um, I guess expectations for a lot of people outside of the organization is this, this is may very well be a down year for the lightning. Lots of turnover, you know, over the last couple of seasons, uh, Alex Kalorn, the latest uh, out the door after going to free agency and now the injury to Andre Vasilevsky. What, what is the vibe around the lightning right now, especially considering that this is when you look at this roster, there's a lot of new faces on it. Yeah, they've, they've had to make significant changes each of the last couple of years, just like every team in the league because of the salary cap. And uh, their success has a lot to do with it. Uh, and the contracts they've signed to guys long-term, um, which have kicked in over the last year or two, which have made a very significant difference. All those things, which various GMs around the league uh, deal with. So, yeah, um, when Bassey went down, uh, yeah, that got everybody's attention. Why wouldn't it? He's considered the best goalie in the league. It's certainly we do here. Uh, there's that top handful. You know, anybody can pick and say, okay, where does he fit? First, second, third, I don't care. But Vasilevsky is a top-level goaltender. So you take him out for the first couple of months of the season and you bring in two guys who haven't had any uh, experience, really, to speak of in the NHL. Uh, the Lightning uh, had intended for Jonas Johansson to be the backup goaltender. That's the way it was going to work on on paper behind Vasilevsky, and things changed really quickly. So, yeah, it gets everybody's attention. Alex Kalorn uh, will be great. You missed. He was a money player, no doubt, but he was the best example on the team of a guy who earned his increase in pay and absolutely just could not be fit back in, even as great a, a, a Tampa Bay Lightning player as he'd been his entire career. Um, he moved on, and they had to make changes. On the other side, I think what people are under mess, underestimating is, yeah, they have uh, a different look, but they will be faster top to bottom, significantly faster. There was a gigantic drop-off in speed to the fourth line last year with Belmar, Perry, and Maroon. And they did what they did, and they were significant players as far as the the, the glue of the team, and they provided certain things. Uh, Corey Perry would know what he's like. Uh, Pat Maroon, how he, you know, he, he policed everything. And he would drag guys into the fray when the game was going sideways. Did a lot of important things, but the speed factor really showed as the season went on. And there's no way they could have gone back. Absolutely no way to go back and play those guys at the fourth line again this year. So they had to make chances, and they will be faster, top to bottom. You mentioned the Vasilevsky injury and Johansson coming in. Um, you played in the league, you know, when, when that happens, when you lose a star goalie like that, what does that do for kind of the way that you prepare as a team and, and how you play? Because 
you know, it's it's nice to have a guy like Vasilevsky back there because it's like, well, I can take a couple of chances here. How do you think the style of play changes? Maybe it's a, a little less risk averse and more like we're going to just kind of settle things down and not take as many chances here because we don't have that guy back there. Um, I hope so, Matt. <laughs> last year, last year, if I had a, a dollar for every time uh, at the end of a game, I'd, I'd say, uh, well, Lightning just won four to two or four to three. But if it wasn't for Vasilevsky making three or four incredible saves in the first period because the Lightning were loose and reckless, uh, they would have lost the game. So Vasily always starts on time. That's one of his greatest attributes that unless you're watching him every, every game, you don't realize. And that's a really important thing. We always talk about teams starting on time and winning games. Uh, you can do yourself a lot of damage in the first period. Vasilevsky has an uncanny ability to be ready as soon as the puck drops. That will be missed. So that's something for front and center for Johansson and Tompkins. Whichever one's in that, Johansson certainly will be the starter tonight, and he's the one they expect to play most of the time. Now, the Lightning statistically were good, very good. They were a top handful of teams in the league in, in their own zone and breaking up the cycle and things like that. They had good coverage, but not very good against a rush, and that's because of the way they play. They play fast. Sometimes they play too loose. They certainly are aggressive and have great skill and want to play in the offensive zone. And sometimes that for teams that would had good quick transition, they gave up a lot against the rush. That has to change. They have to be better against the rush this year, especially without Vasilevsky and net, but whichever one it is, and let's deal with Johansson first, Jonas Johansson, uh, neither one of these goalies. So has really had a chance to play. They don't have the NHL experience. So, the Lightning are willing to let this play out to see how things go for the first weeks of the season at least and see where they're at. And because there are a lot of goalies available for sure on waivers the last couple of days, they can, you can still make trades. There, you know, there are probably 25 goalies or more around the league, up and down between the American Hockey League and the NHL, whatever, um, over the last couple of years that are kind of all the same to me. That's my opinion. So, if they see, okay, these guys apparently are not ready for this situation and we can't afford to fall behind, would they make a deal? Well, yeah, that would be the logical thing. But right now they are willing to let it play out, and the team should concentrate definitely as far as the rush goes from last year's team to this year's team, be better at defending it. Brian Englong, Lightning Analyst, joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, Steven Stamkos, very candid in his comments uh, later in the offseason about not having any contract negotiations or any talks about a new deal. Um, Steven Stamkos is as professional as they get. Um, I think a lot of people may have been surprised by the fact that he came out and said anything because generally speaking, Steven Stamkos does his job and goes home. Speaks when he needs to, but he's certainly not going to be um, going out there and making any big, bold claims about anything. Were you surprised that that he made a comment about his contract situation and, and where things stood? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we expected it, um, for sure. Uh, but Stephen has earned it, right? He is who he is. And uh, he has earned the right to say, obviously, it bothered him. So, okay, he said it. Would I worry about it, you know, looking at the team? No, because he's not a disruptive guy. 
He said it, he spoke his mind, and that's it. And uh, he'll be asked about it, I'm sure, repeatedly as the season goes on. And I'm wondering if he's thinking, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that just because every city he goes to, I know reporters are going to come to him and start asking about it. But he's a smart guy. He's very intelligent, and he earned the right, as I said. On the other side, uh, Julian Breezeball is a very sharp guy as well, too. And uh, he didn't flinch. He didn't blink. He, uh, he also... Uh, started off by saying we know who Stephen is and what he's done for the organization. And, of course, we're aware of what the situation is, and we are uh, trying to, you know, maneuver and handle, I forget his exact words, but it's about the salary cap and, and moving forward. So, and I think around the league, people looked and said, well, they signed this guy and they signed that guy. Well, yeah, you have to manage the guys who are in their 20s and also manage the guys that are in their 30s and try to figure out what's the number for everybody and what's the number of years. So I think that's where that stands. Um, I, I, don't, it's, I don't see it being an issue at all because of Stammer being the person that he is. He said it. It's over. And they'll move on. And that'll be between Julian and Stammer and his agent and I'm as interested as you are to see where it goes. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, when you think of the Tampa Bay Lightning, you think of Steven Stamkos. He's been there uh, his whole career, and yep. he's, you know, one of the greatest yep. players that the organization's ever had. Uh, I wanted to, to talk about Anthony Sorelli because it wouldn't be the Jeff Merrick show if we didn't mention Anthony Sorelli when talking about <laughs> the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, expected a bigger role from him offensively last year and even more so this year uh, with the bodies that have been going in and out. He's the second line center there. What do you think the offensive ceiling is for Anthony Sorelli? Because we know, we know about his, his two way game and, and how he's able to play in his own end and, and chip in a little bit offensively. Like, could you see him be a, a consistent 30 goal scorer in this league last year in a, in a shortened season, uh, 11 goals, 18 assists, 29 points, 58 games. Like, do you think he's a 30 goal guy? Is he a 20 goal guy? And he's going to chip in defensively. Like what is his role here going forward, especially with the added need for offense? Yeah, I, I think he can be probably 20-25 goal scorer, maybe in a big year, 30. Um, he has a lot of jobs that he has to do uh, defensively. Last year, he only played 58 games. He was hurt. He missed a significant amount of time. So that is a huge indication of you know where his point totals are. He has never you know scored 25 to 30 goals. Is it possible? Yeah, but only if he gets significant power play time. And I think he might get some because Alex Kalorn was on the number one power play last year. And of course he's not here. Uh, Nick Paul has been in that spot right beside the net where Kalorn was. He's been there a lot in the preseason. It looks like he's going to get to start with the first unit. Um, uh, Sorelli was in there a couple of times, but to get 30 goals for him, I think he'd have to have more power play time. That's only my opinion. He kills penalties a lot, and he's a matchup guy. He gets a ton of vice time in a lot of games where you have significant, like when you're playing against Austin Matthews or you know the top players in uh, center ice in the league, he gets a lot of ice time in those games in matchup. So, of course, that draws away from your offensive focus a lot, and that has a lot to do with Sorelli being the type of player that he is and how valuable he is to the team. Everybody will try to chip in a couple of more goals. I, I don't think you need to expect too much from Sorelli. I think he's going to get in that 20-goal, maybe 25-goal range, and they'd be more than happy because he does so many other things for the team. 
the other guy that is of note that they brought in last year and they paid a pretty hefty price for him. And that's Tanner Janot. And he brings an element that let's face it. Not a lot of guys in the NHL do anymore. His physicality, he's big, he's strong. Uh, he can chip in offensively. Didn't do a lot of that when he got to Tampa Bay, but what do you think his, like, is, is he a guy that you think could end up playing his way into the top six right now? He's kind of slotted in, in that fourth line role, but he's shown in the past that he has some offensive ability and he brings that element of size that maybe they could use in that top six. How do you think the evolution of Tanner Janot goes now that he's got a full training camp with the lightning and he can kind of move forward and be comfortable in his new home? Yeah, he's he's a really interesting guy, Matt, uh, no doubt. Um, it, it was tough for him coming in here to this team. Uh, his role in playing with the team is fast-paced as they play, uh, with the skill level that they play, it was just a lot different for him. I asked him about this a couple of weeks ago. When he had his most success and he had the 24-goal season in Nashville, he was playing with Sissons and Trennan, and they were a fourth line, get it in deep, really pound around. Uh, and, and, you know, gets pucks to the net, real basic stuff. The pace of the play, and he played with different players. Uh, you're coming in midseason, uh, you're, you know, you're jumping into a team that's really good and really flies, and, and he had, he, I think he had some problems there getting his offensive confidence and how exactly do I go about this? And then he jacked his ankle up really badly, and, you know, they missed him at key times uh, at the end of the season in the playoffs. He just wasn't right. So what's he capable of? He had a 24-goal season uh, in Nashville, and then he had, what, eight, eight or eight goals? I forget the number. I don't have it in front of me. So, you know, which one is the outlier? Um, I think it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. But they, they like him because he's got an intensity about him. And I'm telling you, when, when he wades into a crowd, especially after a whistle at either end of the ice, a lot of guys on the other team back up. And, and, you know, that element is still, you know, handy to have. But at the same time, they, you know, they don't want him spending all his time, you know, dropping the mitts. They want him to play and they want his offensive contributions. He's played a lot with uh, Nick Paul in the middle and Mikey Asimont uh, on the other wing. It's an interesting combination. They're the, I guess you could call them the third line right at the moment. Uh, whether he'd move up into other situations, it is possible. Uh, they're still trying things out. You got guys like Connor Sherry, you, you know, whom they signed from uh, Washington. He's signed here now. He's been a top six guy and played with top players everywhere he's been, right? Crosby and Malkin in Pittsburgh and then playing with Ovechkin most of the time last year in Washington. So he'd be ahead of Janot in that second line role. And otherwise, they're pretty stacked up in, you know, in the first top six. So Janot might get there, but probably not. But they do need more production from him this year, and I think they'll get it. We talked a long time, and we haven't even mentioned John Cooper. Um, th- this is this is as tough of a job as he's probably had, you know, considering the Vasilevsky injury and the roster turnover. Uh, firstly, it's criminal that he's never won the Jack Adams. But if he can have a really good season here with the turnover that they've had, with the injuries that they're already dealing with. It feels like he's probably a candidate to win the Jack Adams trophy if he can do that. Um, how does John Cooper approach this season? Coming off of a rare first-round loss to the Maple Leafs last year, uh, they've got to be coming in with a little bit of kind of piss and vinegar, don't they, here? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, they're a favored team, and they won two straight cups. 
And I maintained, you know, my entire pro career because I saw it and felt it is that when you win, you want it even more. You know, people think, oh, well, you already won. You know, good for you. You know, let somebody else win. Oh, no, you get that taste in your mouth. And the teams that won the year before, they want it even more because they realize what it is really all about and how you feel afterwards. And that never leaves you. So the fact that they lost last year after two straight wins, oh, yeah, they, they are hungry and ready and rested, and their core players look really good because they had a chance to rest up and rehab and then train on top of it, which, as we all know, you know, there's a big difference of teams that go to the finals. You, you have to rehab first and you know, get rid of all the aches and pains and get some rest before you can train and training is so important coming in. So back to Coop for a second, he's got a group that's hungry. And the fact that Vassy is not here, you make a great point. People will get no, will notice more what happens to the lightning and therefore John Cooper, when it comes to the Jack Adams voting at the end of the year, he's come in and he's had such a high powered team, especially the last five or six years that that often gets overlooked by voters because I think the rags to riches stories um, are easier to uh, on the easier on the palate and go, Oh yeah, I got a heck of a job. Look where they were last year and look where they are now. A lot of times you see that's the guy that, that wins or, you know, you have a record setting year like the Boston Bruins. I mean that, you know, that gets your attention too. But I think Coop's always sort of been in that area where like, Oh yeah, well he has a really good team and yeah, they were expected to win. Um, so it will be interesting this year. He's a very smart guy, and he knows how to handle his crew. He knows how to motivate, and uh, he will be ready for this year. And I, I know he's really excited. I can see that energy from him already leading into this game one here tonight. And as uh, members of the media, we always love a good John Cooper press conference. So hopefully we get a couple of those as well. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Uh, have a good call tonight, and enjoy the game. Welcome back, hockey. All right, thank you. I got the night off, actually. It's an ESPN Oh, it's an ESPN game, right? game. that's so, right, yeah. yeah. Just watch it, yeah. So you get so, to just put uh, your feet up I'll... and watch. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Just po- just a little post-game radio, and, and uh, that's it. But, yeah, it's great to be back, no doubt. For sure. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you. There he goes, Brian Engblom, uh, three-time Stanley Cup champion, and, of course, Lightning analyst. Um, the Lightning, uh, it's it feels like kind of tough sledding. No Vasilevsky, and, and like Brian pointed out there, um, there there were times where the Lightning played a little loose and Andre Vasilevsky had to bail them out. It, that feels like a lot for Jonas Johansson and Matt Tompkins. Specifically Johansson because he's going to be the guy. But as Brian also pointed out, there are a lot of goalies out there. It's just a matter of what you can make work if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the other thing that we touched on there that I'm really curious to see how it plays out is the Steven Stamkos contract negotiations. As I mentioned, when you think of the Tampa Bay Lightning, you think of Steven Stamkos. The captain, a 1,000 points with the organization. Stanley Cup champion, that that one shift in the Stanley Cup final. Those are the things that you think about. And to envision a world where Steven Stamkos is a member of another team, I can't see it. But we'll see what happens. Lightning and Predators tonight, 5.30 p.m. Eastern. You can watch that one on Sportsnet at Amelie Arena. When we come back, Kevin Adams... Signs Rasmus Dahlin to a nice big extension. And the Sabres could be one of those teams 
That surprise. Maybe not even a surprise anymore. Kevin Adams, GM of the Buffalo Sabres, when we come back. Matt Marchese here for the Jeff Merrick Show as we figure out his technical issues. We'll be back in a few. Download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back. Hour two, the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese in for Jeff. We are having some technical issues that we are trying to fix here, so... Uh, Hopefully we can get Jeff back on before the end of the program. Coming up later in the hour, Toronto Maple Leafs forward Mitch Marner will join us ahead of their opener tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens. But joining us on the line here, he was busy, man. Getting a Rasmus Dahlin extension done, and he is general manager Kevin Adams. Kevin, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time. Really appreciate it. And you know, the, the Darlene extension, I mean, we've been talking about it all summer. Hey, this could be coming. This could be coming. How long did this one take to kind of put together for you? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I believe the first uh, conversation was maybe around the combine where we sat in, in my office here in Buffalo and uh, he's representing sports which is uh Donnie Meehan and Craig Oster for the most part led there in uh, their side and so it started there and you know the biggest thing um, in the beginning is just trying to make sure you understand both sides are able to understand each other where, where are you right now philosophically what are you looking for what's the most important thing um, from our standpoint from his standpoint and when when I got the news that this is clearly where he wants to be, he wants to be a Buffalo Sabre and he wants to be here for a long time, um, that's a great place to start. And then from there, you work off of all different scenarios. And we met in person a number of times over the summer, whether it was in uh, Toronto. And then as we got closer to camp, uh, you know, the conversations ramped up and um, obviously got the, the deal done yesterday. So it's great news for us. I think it sends a great message to our organization, um, the, the league that a uh, player of his caliber and at his age uh, wanted to commit for the max term, which is eight years. And uh, to now know that we have Rasmus under contract for the next nine seasons uh, is pretty exciting for us. Kevin, I'm glad you mentioned about the message that it sends because, you know, part of it is a testament to the work that you and the rest of the front office has done in, in building this roster. But, you know, you guys, you guys have Tage Thompson locked up and Jeff Skinner's got a long-term deal. Dylan Cousins, uh, uh, Matias Samuelson and, and now Rasmus. What does that say to the rest of the league about Buffalo as a market when these players want to stay here long-term? Because I know for a fact that Buffalo is a wonderful hockey market. Uh, it's a, it's a great sports market. I'm a bills fan. So I know all of, all of that. When you see that and you see Buffalo becoming that market again, where the fan base is excited about this team, what thoughts come to your mind? Well, I think it's important, and I'm glad you mentioned the other players because, you know, when I first got the job, now you go back a few years, one of the things that I started talking a lot about was we really needed people 
to be here that really believed in what was going on and believed that they wanted to be part of something special and they wanted to be a Buffalo Sabre for the right reason. And part of what's special about this community is the, is the, the love that the city and the Western New York has for uh, the hockey and the football team. And you, we wanted, we wanted players that, that, connected with the fan base and were part of the community and the players that you mentioned, um, those were all conversations we were having. And so I think the message that it sends certainly um, to our fan base, but around the league is this is a, this is a special place to play and is a town that um, gets behind the team and um, is headed in the right direction. And when you can get your core of young players locked up in their prime years, I think that's a critical piece um, to how you build a winner. You guys kick off the season on Thursday against the Rangers, and there's a lot of excitement, obviously. It's a, it's a team that really showed a lot of promise, especially down the stretch last year. And now you look at going into this season. Um, what are the expectations for the organization? Because the playoffs were within grasp last year, and there are a lot of people that expect you guys to take that next step. Like, obviously, you want, you want to win a Stanley Cup. That's what the goal is here. But when you look at your, like, what are your expectations for this team? It's still a young team. Uh, you guys have a lot of good young players, especially in net and, and on defense. How do you kind of manage the expectations this year with this group? Yeah, we've had great conversations through training camp with, with our team. And, um, you know, my message to the team personally has been embrace the expectations. And uh, obviously, that the players put in last year and, and coming up just a, a point out from the playoffs um, put us in a position where our internals are very high. And um, instead of trying to block it out, I think it's embrace it. And pressure is a privilege. That's something I talk to our team a lot about. You get to get up every day and you should enjoy that. And, you know, our expectations inside a room will be higher than anyone externally let's embrace it. And now after you kind of talk about it and you understand it, now you kind of have to peel it back to what do I need to do today to be better than I was yesterday and just go really narrow your focus, put the work in your habits on and off the ice, practice well, you know, all these little things because you can have the expectations and you can look too far down the road, but you really have to take care of the day that you're in. So that's kind of just been the message and the talking points that we've had, but um, we believe in this group. We believe that even some of our young players that, um, you know, they're still relatively young in age. Now I've also gotten some experience, you know, the guys, even like an Owen power, one more year older um, and a little bit of experience in the league. And we have a lot of players that are really entering those prime years, which is uh, certainly exciting. I'm glad you brought up Owen power there because that's probably the next big one that you got to take care of. Now that Rasmus Dahlin is done. Um, we've seen bridge deals. We've seen the big extensions. Um, do you, as a, as a general conversation do you have a preference like with younger players Owen Power hasn't played a ton in the NHL but he's played enough that you know he's the first overall pick you know kind of what you're going to see and and you can kind of see the development curve here um do you like the idea of a bridge deal is that something that you've discussed or you know you talk about these other players that are there who also have long-term deals is long-term your preference for this type of deal for Owen Power well, I think you have to go case by case. And, you know, obviously um, some some of it is where is the player and his progression. Some of it is where are you um, in your own, you know, evolution as a team. And, you know, obviously 
uh, Rasmus just signed this eight-year deal ex- extension, um, but he, he was coming, you know, into the last year of a bridge deal. So I'm comfortable both ways, depending on the situation. You know, I think the big, one of the biggest things that I look at, especially um, with, a, with, with a younger player is, are they the type of person that is going to um, continue to get better? And that's why I was very comfortable, whether it was Tage Thompson or Nelson, Darlene on doing these seven, eight year deals, because these are the type of guys that um, I believe will continue to put the work in and continue. Certainly that's what we see in Owen Power as well. Um, And, you know, from just from my job and my role, when you have your core key players um, locked up into long deals, it certainly helps you plan, you know, it helps you build around them and um, it takes some of the uncertainty out because, you know, you have your key pieces um, under contract and then you can kind of round out the team from there. So that's, that's the way I look at it. It's case case by case for sure. Um, But the other thing is, I think it's really important um, when you're in my job is you really want to try to make sure you're, you're getting the players under under contract in their prime years that you feel that they're going to be at their best. Um, and that's, that's fortunately the way we've been able to kind of build our roster. Although we've been young, um, now we're entering that time where the players are really coming into those years. Sabres GM Kevin Adams running Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick show. Uh, you did this last year. You carried three goalies for, uh, you know, the later part of the season. When you, when you look at that and, and I mean, is it's not the first choice I would assume, but the way that we've seen goaltenders get hurt, we've seen, you know, the, just the overall ups and downs of a lot of goaltenders. Is that just the way that the league is kind of going now where a lot of teams just want to carry three goalies because frankly, they don't want to lose any good ones. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I would certainly can only speak to our situation, but I, I, you know, I believe that we have three NHL goaltenders on our roster. Um, You know, I've said publicly, I'll say it again. I don't think it's ideal to have three just from just the way the rotation of practice or whether that is, but it's, we we did it most of the year last year. It's certainly manageable. Um, And so Obviously, over the course of the summer, I had a lot of conversations. You're, you're paying close attention to what's going on with other teams, maybe the landscape of, of the goaltender market. It's pretty volatile as it is. And um, so we just made a decision that we felt this was the best thing for the Buffalo Sabres. And, um, but I do think you've seen a little bit of a trend. I'm sure there's other teams that uh, probably look at it the same way, and we'll see how it goes. You know, it's not something that you have to say on day one of the season that this is the way it's going to be all year. But um, right now, that's how we're going to start. One of the guys that you locked up last year was Dylan Cousins, and it was a, a real breakout for him. and And the expectations are are high, of course, as, as they should be for a for a guy of his stature. Um, just even a, a, an overall look at your forward group, it's a really exciting group. Tage Thompson had, of course, a, a wonderful season last year. Alex Tuck, Jeff Skinner had a nice bounce back. Um, I know that there is sometimes. Uh, a want to score more goals, but you know, there was also the, the issue of maybe keeping them out of your net a little bit. How do you kind of balance the excitement between that? Because you like your team to play a little bit free and you like them to score goals, but you also want them to be defensively responsible. Um, How do you look at your forward group right now? Well, we're talented. uh, That's, that's for sure. And um, you know, I think there's a balance there and some of that balance is on, guys understanding, you know, situations, um, when the time is to um, maybe be a little smarter, uh, maybe a little more defensively responsible versus, 
you know, I'm just going to go out and try to outscore a team and or where, where are you in the shift length? Where are you in the period, the game, all, all of that stuff matters. And that comes with maturity. But I, one thing that Donnie Granato and I have spent a lot of time talking about is um, he, he felt strongly that if, if you restrict, especially young players and take away their, their offensive ability or try to take away some of their creativity, um, it, it may stifle them. You can always kind of, um, pull that back and add more structure as you go and as you mature. And so that was kind of a philosophy that, especially with a young group, let's let's push them, let's challenge them, let's let's make sure we give help give them the confidence that they can play at an elite level in this league and they can produce offensively. And then we'll work with them on you know situations and and how to maybe just be managed in certain um, times. And that's one of the things that we're evolving into now. Our conversations. Uh, aren't just about developing and, and understanding how it's about winning. So what do we have to do tonight to win that game? Um, and that's just a, that's just a maturation of where we are as, as we evolve. I'm glad you brought that up about Don Granado because there are so many coaches, as you know, that um, it's their way or the highway type thing. And, and, and we know that the game has become a lot younger and dealing with younger players has become, well, uh, that's the priority right now because they're the ones that are going to carry your teams a lot of the time. Why has Don been such a good fit? Is that is that is it as simple as saying, you know, he's a smart hockey man who really manages the talent well, but also understands how to coach young players? Yeah, I think it's all of that. I mean, he certainly... Um, he's a great person, you know, Tissa, just besides take away for hockey for a second, just as a human being, just, he is incredibly, um, intelligent. He treats people the right way. Uh, the players, players always forever, in my opinion, they know when people are phony or if it's, if it's real and he just has a genuine, um, kind of how to handle situations and how to, how to handle our players and get the most out of our players. So I think it's, um, it's just kind of the nature of, of Donnie's way. And in terms of hockey, you know, he has a lot of experience. He spent a lot of different time over the years in different roles, whether it's, you know, uh, in college hockey and working as a national team head coach or assistant coach in the NHL. Um, he was in the pro scouting, you know, he's, he's, done a lot from junior hockey right through to the NHL. So I think when he and I started really talking serious about him becoming the next head coach of the Buffalo Sabres, he was ready for his opportunity and he's learning and growing just like we all are. Um, and that's another characteristic that I really appreciate about Donnie. He, he's open-minded. He wants to try to find ways to get better every day. And I think that rubs off on our players. Uh, one more before we let you go here, Zach Benson, he makes the team out of camp and uh, maybe a surprise to some, but what, what did you see from Zach Benson in camp? He's coming off a wonderful year with Winnipeg, 98 points in 60 games and, and a really solid player, 13th overall pick uh, last year. What did you see from him in, in this, in this camp that led you to believe that he was going to be a contributor right away? Well, we saw really from day one of camp him um, having the ability to, regardless of who he was playing with, um, help his line. And what I mean by that is there were games where in the preseason he was with Skinner and Thompson and, you know, he, he could handle that. Um, he was with other players other times and he was driving lines. And, um, you know, obviously going into the draft, we saw the elite offensive ability, the actually elite hockey IQ that he showed through junior. But you don't know how quickly that'll translate to this level. 
Um, and, and, you know, he's jumped right in and had a real um, solid 200-foot game. He's got a great stick. He's, he's really works on both sides of the puck. But, you know, I think at the very end of camp, what I did that really, for me, pushed uh, me to this direction was I watched every single one of his puck touches through the entire preseason just to make sure that I'm not missing something and sure that I'm not just focusing on his offensive production. And what you see when you do that is the body of work through the defensive zone, the smart, intelligent plays he makes, or just little foot passes under sticks to break out his own through the neutral zone, his ability to pick up pucks with speed and just um, attack the blue line. And then offensively, not getting trapped along the wall is, you know, swiveling in and out of traffic. I mean, those are the things you pick up on. And so, yeah, I mean, I think right now um, he's 18 years old. He's a great kid. He's excited. And I just told him no pressure, no expectation. We'll just go um, day by day and just keep working at it. And then we'll, we'll figure it out from here, but he's certainly off to um, a good start as he came into training camp. And now here we are today. I love that. I love that you went through every touch that he had with the puck. Like that is true hockey guy. And I, I appreciate that to its, to its core. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for, for taking some time for us today. Uh, good luck with this season. Uh, really looking forward to watching you guys hit the ice on Thursday against the Rangers. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Can't wait. Thanks for having me guys. There he goes. Kevin Adams, Buffalo Sabres general manager, fresh off signing Rasmus Dahlin to an eight year extension. And a big part of, what the Sabres are going to be going forward. We knew that, of course. He was excellent last year. And and what we will see from Owen Power will also be very interesting this year as he's the next guy that is going to get an extension with the Buffalo Sabres. He's a restricted free agent after this year. And I would not be surprised if we hear some things about Owen Power and a new deal before the season is done. I mean, we've seen the trajectory um, he's a really, really good player. And that goes without saying he's the former first overall pick, but playing on this team, you can kind of, especially because of how the offense is built and, and the, and the guys that they have in the Tage Thompson's and, and the Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner and Dylan cousins and JJ Paterka. And like there, it's a whole host of players that you really like watching. You could kind of fly under the radar a little bit if you're Owen Power. I don't think that we're going to be saying that this year, though. Lots of pressure on the Sabres team, and I and I know that Kevin said, you know, pressure is, um, it's a privilege. And there are expectations in Buffalo. They, were, they had a really good year last year, better than probably a lot of people thought that they might. They've got the, they've got the goalie of the future, they believe, in Devin Levi. They're carrying three right now with Eric Comrie and Uko Pekalukanen. But the Sabres are going to be really interesting in that Atlantic division. A lot of people expect that Tampa Bay is going to take a step back, as is Boston, which opens up the door for you know Florida to get into the top three in the division, um, for the Sabres to get into that conversation, the Senators, and then to a lesser extent, the Detroit Red Wings. It's going to be a very, very fascinating season in Buffalo. And I'm they are must-watch hockey especially because there are some nights where you have no idea what's going to happen. And that is the absolute best part. Um, Connor Bedard makes his NHL debut tonight. And we're all anxiously awaiting that because we saw what he's done in the preseason. We've seen what he did in junior hockey and those it's electric. Now that the games are going to start to matter a little bit. I I can't wait to watch this. Uh, Here's Connor Bedard on the Pat McAfee show. 
but you say you just try to stay singular focused. How do you do that? Do you just try to, do you isolate yourself? Are you only hockey all the time? How do you remain a normal human while having all this pressure of being the next guy for your entire country's sport pretty much? You know, obviously sometimes you're gonna hear something and I think if you kind of look at it from the outside, it is, you know, pressure and stuff. But for me, you know, I'm just doing what I love and I don't really, you know, from when I was six years old to, to now, it's just kind of that's the same mindset as, you know, I feel fortunate to get to go to the rink every day. And um, yeah, I've just never really wanted to not be in that situation and to get to, you know, kind of start here. And, you know, I'm living out a dream right now. So that's more what I focus on than maybe the expectations or the comparisons or anything like that. Imagine waking up and being that confident and being that great. Like that is, that is tough, right? That's a, that's a tough life. But Connor Bedard has been, he said it since he was six years old, that has been the focus to be great. And he gets his start tonight, the Chicago Blackhawks taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins, Sidney Crosby right out of the gate. Like that is, first of all, that's got to be a lot of fun for Connor Bedard. But also, it's just the Chicago Blackhawks weren't very good last year. We're, we're very aware of that. But they played hard under Luke Richardson. And while they may not be a playoff team, I, don't, I highly doubt they're a playoff team this year, I do believe that they're going to be a tough out. They've got some skill up front. They brought in, of course, they drafted Connor Bedard. They brought in Taylor Hall. I mean, I'm actually excited to see what the Blackhawks are going to look like. Now, I'm very biased because I kind of just want to watch Connor Bedard play because all the things that we've heard about Bedard is when you, when you look at him in stature, he looks small, but he's built like a tank, like he's shredded and he needs to be because he's playing at a little bit of a, a, a slight height, but he's certainly not afraid. And that shot that he's had, you know, Matthew Barzell talked about it. I believe it was last year about how this guy, when he was like 12 or 13 years old, had an incredible shot. And now you look at it, and yeah, that plays in the NHL. He's got that release. Much like we've seen that his hands are kind of in tight to his body when he shoots like Austin Matthews does. And that's kind of where he said he's, you know, taken that from. This is going to be a lot of fun. Like this Calder race this year is going to be very, very interesting. You know, you've got Bedard, you've got Fantilli, um, you've got Carlson, you've got Logan Cooley and Luke Hughes. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast this year watching these rookies. Zach Benson will be in that conversation as well. Buffalo Sabres, who we just spoke to about or spoke about with with Kevin Adams. Guys, do we have that Lafreniere sound here? Okay. Uh here, speaking of first overall picks. It's been a rough one for Alexi Lafreniere. There was talk, a lot of people thought that maybe the Rangers would look at trading Lafreniere, get him a new start somewhere. Um, it's, I'm very curious to see how this one plays out. Here's, this is uh, Elliot Friedman talking about Alexi Lafreniere. But I, I think there's a lot of concern about Lafreniere and, and what's, what's going on there. And, you know, like 
the, the one thing I really believe is I believe the Rangers have bent over backwards to try to create the right environment for him. Um, it didn't work between him and Galan. Unfortunately, they, they made the coaching change. Um, you know, Arthur Staple of The Athletic reported earlier this summer that he'd heard uh, out of the draft, he'd heard some rumors about Lafreniere. And, you know, I had heard similar that, you know, maybe he would be out there, but the Rangers came back hard against that because they, they really wanted to protect the kid and put him in the right mental frame of mind to play this year. Like everything they did this offseason was about how can we make him comfortable? We don't want to give up on him. He's still young. He's only 22. He's a number one overall pick. He's talented. We want to make this work. They, they bent over backward. And like I haven't seen him, but, you know, people are starting to talk about, boy, he's looked really, really rough. I, I can't imagine the Rangers aren't a little worried about what they're seeing based on what other people are telling me. Boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Now, there were a lot of expectations, as there are with being the first overall pick for Alexi Lafreniere. Had a really good major junior career with Ramuski. 105, 112 points his last two years. You know, his rookie year struggled. And then, you know, second year, there was a glimmer of hope. Scored 19 goals. And then last year, he reaches a career high, which was 39 points. And the thing that is worrisome is that, you know, the fact that, and Elliot mentioned it there, that the the organization is seemingly bent over backwards to make this comfortable for him, and it's not worked yet. Like, how long do you wait here? if you're the New York Rangers before trying to move on. Here's the other thing. And we forget this a lot of the time, especially when it comes to players that are drafted first overall. Alexi Lafreniere will not turn 22 until tomorrow. This is still a very young player. This is still a guy that, I mean, he was drafted where he was for a reason. He's there. There was talent there. This is not a talent issue. There's something else here. You know, there was some the the playoff run that the Rangers had a couple of years ago, and the kid line looked really good, and with Kako and and Heedle, and you're thinking, okay, like there there's something here, and it just has not come to fruition, and that's the alarming part. Uh, Producer David, I did not get the the quotes that you sent me. Can you send them to my work email? Sorry, we're working on the fly here. Technical issues abound everywhere. Um, But you have to wonder about the Rangers' patience level now. And with Peter Laviolette being the new head coach there, Peter Laviolette's been around a long time. I can't imagine that the patience level with Peter Laviolette is going to be super high. I just I just cannot see that happening. Here's some quotes from um this is from Shayna Goldman from the Athletic Shayna who's a frequent guest on the show. Um 
even the, even when there's been a glimmer of hope with Lafreniere in 2021-2022, his five-on-five goal scoring stood out relative to the team. He hasn't built on that enough. Development isn't linear, but at a certain point, the Rangers need consi- more consistent progress. Uh, from Larry Brooks from the New York Post, the truth that Alex Lafreniere has not earned a top six assignment through his work during training camp and his first three exhibition games is self-evident. One can argue that the lad from St. Eustache has not even earned a spot on the roster. That is pretty damning from Larry Brooks. Like that is, I mean, wow. Uh, here's here's something else from uh, Larry Brooks's uh work in the New York post. It's not the number 13 who will turn 22 the day before the October 12th opener in Buffalo. Hasn't looked like the first overall selection on the verge of a breakout season. It's for the most part that Lafreniere has looked like an undrafted invitee to training camp on a tryout. Uh, Matt Rempe, a sixth round pick in 2020 has made more of a positive impression before he was sent to Hartford last week. Arthur staple via the athletic. Lafreniere hasn't shown anything to stand out yet, and he seems willing to be patient. Another trait he hasn't been associated with since he arrived. These are from people that follow this team very closely. That is not a good look. This is going to be a really interesting year for the New York Rangers. We know about the first round loss to the New Jersey Devils, especially considering how that series started. And then how it finished were two entirely different things. I can't imagine that this organization is going to be patient. They want to win. They have the goaltender. They have a a very good defense. They have a good group of forwards. What's the breaking point here for Alexi Lafreniere? We're going to find out. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back uh, a little bit after the break, Leafs forward Mitch Marner will join us ahead of their opener against the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night. Matt Marchese in for Jeff Merrick. You're listening to the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, watching on Sportsnet 360. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back. Final segment of the Jeff Merrick Show for October the 10th. Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff. Uh, We are having some technical issues that we're hoping to take care of, but I will be guiding the ship the rest of the way here. Uh, Mitch Martin will join us in a few minutes. Ahead of the Leafs opener against the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night. Three games on the go tonight. Um, they kick off with the Nashville Predators visiting Amelie Arena and the Tampa Bay Lightning, the kind of new-look Tampa Bay Lightning, I guess we can call them, uh, without Andre Vasilevsky, among other players. Uh, Vasilevsky, of course, on the IR after his surgery. Uh, the Blackhawks and the Penguins at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Bedard versus Crosby. That will be a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, there will be a banner race tonight. The Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights will raise their Stanley Cup banner as they host the Seattle Kraken. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Like these are, I mean, you can say what you want about the Blackhawks. We talked about them in the previous block, but I'm really excited. I mean, hockey's back, so that's the obvious statement here. But I'm really excited for all these matchups. Even Nashville. 
Nashville finished the season on a hot streak last year after trading everybody away. And I'm really curious to see what they come back with this year. Very, very interested to see what the Nashville Predators will look like. Uh, Speaking of the Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, who will unveil that banner uh, for their 2022-23 Stanley Cup championship, uh, Jack Eichel was on Monday Night Football last night, and uh, here's what he had to say. We got we got the real party happening right here. Uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights center Jack Eichel, welcome to our halftime. You brought a little friend along with you. Yeah, yeah, we brought uh, we brought the Stanley Cup. Uh, pretty cool, you know. We've uh, you know came to the game, obviously lit the torch to start the game, and you know enjoyed the first half. And it's pretty cool when you get to have this thing ride with you. Absolutely, I know you had your ring ceremony last night. Don't don't hold anything back. What was the highlight of the night for you? Just opening the rings, honestly, uh, as simple as it is. Um, I had pretty high expectations, uh, but uh, they were blown away. Um, incredible, uh, incredible evening for us, and to be able to receive a Stanley Cup ring is pretty cool. Prior to last year, you had made the playoffs, and now you're a Stanley Cup champion. Just talk to me about your journey. Yeah, it's been a long journey, uh, some ups and downs, but, um, you know, everyone goes through adversity. I'm no different. Um, Happy to be here in Vegas. It's a great organization, a great city to play for. And, you know, we have a great group of guys. And, you know, last year we were able to achieve our goal and win the Stanley Cup. And um, it just capped off, you know, the most special year of my life. What is the scene like? What are the fan, what's the fan base like here? The, the fans here are incredible. Um, Ten years ago, if you told me there would be a hockey team in Vegas, I probably wouldn't believe you. But, uh, you know, being here now, um, you know, the more time you spend in the community, the more you get to know people. You know, we have some of the best fans, if not the best fans in the NHL, and, and the, the, the team's only been here for a few years. It's incredible the support we get. Uh, I feel so lucky and privileged to be a part of it. And, um, you know, every, every night at T-Mobile is a special night for us, and uh, as players, we really appreciate that. I see that Raiders hat, so I know who you're rooting for in tonight's game, but you are a Patriots fan from what I understand. What was it like growing up watching Tom Brady, who's a part owner of the Raiders now? Right, yeah, I mean, uh, it was the best. Um, we, we were so lucky to have Tom in, in New England for as long as he was there, and to have the expectation to win the Super Bowl every year like uh, the Patriots did, um, it just excites the fan base so much, and uh, it was tough to see him go, but he, he gave us as uh, New England Patriots fans so many special years, and uh, we have a lot to thank him for. Thanks for stopping by, uh, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Wait, you. Did you bring the ring? We no, my, the I ring. didn't bring the ring. No, it's it, it's a little big and uh, heavy, and um, no, it's tucked away. All right. No ring All tonight. right. Thank Jack you. Michael, thanks so much for coming by. It's not a it's a paperweight. Those things are massive. That one, I mean, he said he had high expectations for it, and I think a, a lot of people probably do. Man, that was cool. It opens up, and they have the they have T-Mobile Arena in there, and they also have. Um, all the spots where the goals were scored. I mean, like in game in the, in the clincher, like that's, that's really cool. I'll never have to worry about it. Cause I'm never going to have one of those, but I can, I can enjoy other people's rings and have fun with that. Uh, Vegas kicks their season off tonight against the Kraken and looking to repeat. I mean, repeating is never easy as we know in this sport. Um, hasn't been done very often over the last 20 years even further back than that. But Vegas is is a fun team to watch. They're 
They can play kind of any style you want. And if they can just stay healthy, like that was the problem two years ago. We know that. That was well-documented. They just couldn't stay healthy. But they were healthy enough for the playoff run. And we'll see where things go from here because they're, they've got the target on their back now. And everybody's watching and everybody's paying attention to the Vegas Golden Knights as they, you know, go on a quest for a, a back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. Um so that one, uh, that one gets underway tonight, 1030 Eastern. You can watch that one on Sportsnet. Chicago and Pittsburgh, 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, and then 530, the season kicks off with the Predators and the Lightning. Of course, you can watch all of those games on Sportsnet. The uh, Toronto Maple Leafs will get their season started tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens, coming off of a, a first-round victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. And... The expectations are high. You know, we've talked about what's happened with the Boston Bruins and what's happened with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then there's the, you know, the emergence last year of the Florida Panthers who eliminated the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and then there's the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, in a, in, in a maybe sooner than we thought, the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators and the Detroit Red Wings, like that Atlantic division is still going to be very good. And and one of the guys who will be partaking in tomorrow's opener against the Montreal Canadiens is Leafs forward Mitch Marner. Mitch, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks a lot for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Um, I, I have to ask you this question. Um, yesterday, the NHL announced no pride tape uh, for warm-ups, no pride tapes during during games. You and John Tavares were two players who took part in that when uh, it was Columbus's Pride Night in February. Uh, I'm not going to offer up an opinion of mine. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the NHL's announcement. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's something that um, I think a lot of people in our organization take pride in and, you know, have uh, supported that community for a long time and I know I got a lot of friends, I got family, um, you know, so that's something close to my heart. And um, I think I've said it before, but um, everyone in this world should be able to express themselves as best as possible and love who they love. And um, they shouldn't be looked at any differently. And, you know, that it shouldn't matter color, love or anything like that. Everyone should be looked at the same. And um, it's unfortunate, but that it is what it is. So, um, you know, we're still obviously still going to support those communities and, you know, still got a lot of love for them. Very well said. Uh, okay, on to the ice. And, you know, last season you guys get over the hump of, of the first round and you beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games and then you run into a, a really hot goalie in Sergei Bobrovsky and the season ends. What What's the offseason like after that? Like, yes, it's, it's good that you get past the first round, but then there's now, okay, we've gotten past that point. Um, we're still hungry. Like, what is your offseason preparation like after a season like that? Uh, I mean, just... Obviously, you still got those bumps and bruises and, you know, welts and stuff like that after that season. And, you know, you take about a couple weeks maybe to yourself to just try to recover as best you can and um, get yourself back to a full 100%. And then, you know, from that point on, it's really just making sure you get back in that gym as soon as you can and as soon as you feel ready. And, um, you know, that's just about working on yourself to try to be the best you can be and best in shape for the upcoming season. So for you specifically, like, is there, do you go into an off season and say, okay, I, I want to work on this thing. And, and it's obviously not the, the entire focus of your, your training, but is there something that this off season that you, you said, I need to work on this a little bit more. I want to improve on this. And if it was, if there was something, what was it? 
Well, I think just, you know, I've been very fortunate with the people who I've had in off-season-wise of my trainers and my coaches. You know, I've known them for a very long time. And um, Dan Noble's a guy I skate. I, I train with off the ice, and Rob DeVoe's a guy I skate with on the ice. And usually both of them have a set plan at the start of the year of just what we want to try to accomplish. And on the ice, it's just always being elusiveness, you know, quick out of turns, quick out of corners, um, you know, being a dual threat on the ice. And uh, in the gym, it's kind of the same thoughts. It's just, you know, explosiveness, being quick, being powerful, and um, just trying to move stuff as quick as you can. It's, you know, I would say maybe, you know, the third of the kind of off season, it's more lifting heavy than kind of throughout the off season. It's just more about, um, you know, just trying to be as, as explosive as possible and move weights as quick as you can. And, um, you know, that's always been a main focus for my off ice anyways. Mitch Barner, Toronto Maple Leafs forward, joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick show. So, you know, there was a lot of turnover from last season, uh, namely the general manager, Brad Treliving, comes in. Kyle Dubas goes to Pittsburgh. Um, up front, there were a lot of changes, specifically uh, one that y- you will now be playing with on that top line along with Austin Matthews, and that's Tyler Bertuzzi. He, along with Max Domi and Ryan Reeves, bring an element that maybe this team lacked over the last couple of seasons. How excited are you to be on the ice with those guys and and see what they bring in as the, something that maybe this team really didn't have a lot of over the past couple of years? Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, I mean, I think they had a lot of great depth and value to our team with... Um, you know, they're not afraid to speak out and say what's on their mind and, you know even though they're new to the team, um, you know, they felt really at home since day one. And that's something that you want as a teammate and something great to see as a teammate. So um, we're very excited for all three of those guys. They've, they've done a lot for us throughout training camp and preseason wise. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun off the ice too, to really get to know them all. And obviously I've known Max for a while, but to, to get to know the other two has been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I think the great thing is, is, you know, especially two of those guys can really move up and down the lineup and, you know, can bring a lot of skill and depth anywhere in your lineup. And obviously Revo, you know what he's going to bring, and that's just um, a body that's going to bring the energy and physicality every single night. And, um, you know, that's something that uh, every team needs. So very, very happy to have all three of them. And, you know, they've, uh, they've been great just coming in and, you know, really opening up. As a, as a skill guy, how do you value the physicality? Because I know when I watch it, like, I, I have an appreciation for that because I know it's not an easy job, but you know, in a roundabout way, it kind of maybe does give you a little bit more space on the ice as a, as a guy who, you know, puts up a lot of points and, and likes to work in space. How do you value that kind of physicality and maybe how it changes how teams defend you a little bit too? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to put your finger on that at this moment, but I think, I mean, any team that plays against, you know, Revo is pretty well aware that he's on the ice or he's playing, and, you know, a lot of screaming from the bench for heads up and stuff like that. Just because, you know, he's, he is very good at just making himself kind of in quiet spots and finding his ways to, you know, I think make a play on the defenseman that um, usually defensemen don't really like to get, you know, especially hit by him. So um, he's very good at just freeing up pucks and, and you know, giving uh, people on his line free kind of little lanes throughout. But, um, obviously, he does bring that aspect of, you know, a killer mindset of, you know, he's going to protect his guys on, on his team. And, um, you know, he's been very talking about that since day one. And, you know, you hear it all the time in the media that he does. So um, you're fortunate and lucky to have a guy like that on your team. We've had 
unbelievable guys like that on our teams in the past that um, really really meant a lot to me and, and our whole team. So um, you're always excited to get guys like that that bring a lot of character on the ice, but also off. Uh, you mentioned Max Domi in there as one of the guys that, that came in, and, and you have a, a relationship going back to your time with the London Knights. How, did you did you keep in touch with Max over the course of, of your careers? Obviously, you guys went in separate directions. And, and what's it like to be an, a teammate of his in the NHL and seeing how he's evolved as a player as well over that span? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we kept in touch just when we – when I kind of got up in and started playing um, against them more so in the NHL, but you know he was he was contacting us throughout the final year of my OHL career when we were kind of doing that magic run in the playoffs and the Memorial Cup and stuff like that. Um, you know, just congratulating us and, and myself and stuff like that. So, um, you know, his Max is just a, a great human being. Anyone that's ever came across Max knows that he's one of a kind of just such a genuine, awesome human being and. Um, you know, we're very fortunate to have that back in our team. And, you know, obviously um, he's a guy that brings a lot of emotion every single night and you want that on your team. But, yeah, it's, um, it's been a lot of fun to really reconnect with him. And, you know, like I said, I, I knew he's always such a good and genuine human being. And just to see it now, even, you know, grow up a little bit more, it's, um, it's even more kind of um, being seen by others and myself. So um, we're very fortunate to, and lucky to have a guy like that on your team that, you know, another guy that really loves his teammates and will do anything for him. Uh, have to ask you about Fraser Minton. And uh, it was a guy that a lot of people didn't expect was going to make this team. And obviously he's done enough to grab the third line center role and uh, really excited to see him along with Matthew Nyes and Callie Yarncroke. What did you see from him in the preseason and during training camp that, that made you believe that this guy is ready for this challenge? Um, I mean, just, I think everyone saw it, and it's just his play. Um, you know, how smart he is on the ice with his stick position, his his just overall body position, you know, to read plays, pick off pucks, strip people. Um, he's very sneaky with his stick out there. So, yeah, very, very, uh, very happy to see him get that role. Um, obviously, you know, you can tell that he's done his work the last two years and um, have really grown into that role. So I'm very excited to see how he takes that on. And, you know, that's going to be uh, – you know, a pretty feisty, quick line out there with just a lot of speed on the wings and up the middle and that can make a lot of plays and, you know, still, I think, have that grit to get to the net and, you know, be around the net. So um, it should be fun to see those three kind of just keep connecting and growing. And um, But just great on Fraser to, you know, really take that role and come in here. And I think like you just said, I think a lot of people really didn't have him point Mark to be on this, on this roster and on this team. And for him to kind of just ignore all that and you know, just trust his abilities and his skill to do it. Um, it was great to watch just throughout training camp and, you know, just great to see him really open up to the, to the guys in the locker room the last couple of weeks. So I'm uh, very happy for him and I'm, you know, it'll be fun to watch him. One more before we let you go here. Uh, last year, 99 points, a career high. When you come into the season, do you, do you, what kind of goals do you have in mind? Obviously, team success is, is something, but individual success is also, you know, something that you've had a lot of uh, back-to-back seasons of 97 points or more, and the, the, your, you know, your third time reaching that 90-point barrier. Um, do you want to get to 100? Like, is that is that something that? you look at it and say, that's a milestone that is really important to me because to be one away, I mean, it, you know, a lot of guys would love to be even close to that. And you've been in and around that number before. Uh, is 100 something that you really strive for? 
I mean, I don't, I don't think you want to have that in your mindset because then I think that makes you play maybe more selfishly or something like that. But I think just for my mindset, it's just trying to be the best player I can be every night, um, the best player I can be for our team to help us win games. And, um, you know, whatever comes along with it, you're happy with. So um, you just want to be the best player every single night. Uh, we're very fortunate to have a lot of great players on our team that make a lot of great plays. And um, I've been fortunate enough to play with some really great players that have found me in good spots and I've been able to find them and they can put it in the net. So I think that's just the mindset and um, just want to try to go out there every single night. Like I said, be the best I can be and let everything else speak for itself. So that's kind of my thought on it going into this year. And I think that's a lot of guys on our team. If you ask them, um, you know, it's all about uh, this team and, you know, we want uh, to obviously have some big, uh, some big dreams and can't do it by himself. So need everyone on that roster. And that's our goal. Well, season gets underway tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens. Very much looking forward to watching you and the guys get back on the ice. Mitch, thanks so much for taking some time for us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. There he goes. Mitch Marner, Toronto Maple Leafs forward. Uh, and thank you to the Toronto Maple Leafs for making him available. 99 points last year, 30 goals, 69 assists. And I mean, offensively you can't can't ask for much more from the guy he was really good and and uh 14 points in 11 playoff games and we know about the entire team struggles in the playoffs last year in that second round against the florida panthers listen the leafs made the changes brad Living went out and made some i guess bold signings in that a lot of people didn't think he was going to be able to bring you know tyler bertuzzi and max domi in and um, I mean, maybe they thought he could bring Ryan Reeves in, but, you know, and then John Klingberg on the back end. We'll see what this team looks like. There there are a lot of prognosticators out there that believe that they will be the top seed in the Atlantic division. I believe that that will be the case as well. They will be fighting for a top spot in the Eastern Conference. And the expectations are valid for this group. They got over that first round hump. They lose to the Panthers and everybody's talking about the defense and, oh, they need work here and they need work there. Well, they need to be able to get to the net and have some guys that could go stand there and kind of take a beating. Well, Tyler Bertuzzi kind of fits that bill, doesn't he? So I'm very curious to see how that works. And, and you know, as we touched on there with Mitch, very curious to see how Fraser Minton works in here into this lineup. He's talking about how exciting that line is with Matthew Nyes, Minton, and of course, Callie Yarncrow. I'm curious to see what he looks like. Is he going to be here past the nine games and then they'll reassess where things are? Or is this going to be a full season here with the Toronto Maple Leafs? They're very, very interesting club. Uh, thank you to everybody that joined us on the show today. Elliot Freeman, as he opens the show every day, Brian Engblom, lightning analyst ahead of their opening game against the Tampa Bay lightning, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Thank you very much for getting us Kevin Adams. He was great. And uh, as we just heard from Mitch Marner, uh, that'll do it for us here on the Jeff Merrick show, Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff. Uh, hopefully we'll have him back tomorrow. That's all for us today. Thank you for listening on the Sportsnet radio network and watching on Sportsnet 360.